That's not, that's not evil? Being hostile to all mankind and subversive is not evil? Well, I have to say that because St. Paul said the Jews are enemies of the entire human race. They are. What do you think of Jordan Peterson? Uh, did you see the video about where he said, I can't do it? Adam, I'm trying to do you a favor. You're fighting for the gay disco. Don't make your ignorance normative for the rest of us. Don't use those kinds of slurs. You're fighting for the gay disco. What? Are there are no slurs here. Die for the gay disco. This is an uprising against smug elites. Smug elites. So they're the villains. And the opposite is Definitely our most requested guest, uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones, a man who needs no introduction. I mean, it is. That, that's what they that's what they pay the Rockefeller Foundation to do. Uh, you're not supposed to know what I just told you. They didn't know about this. They didn't know what we know now. I mean, is there any argument you can use to wake them up? Yeah, I think uh, God had a plan for your life. Well, you'd be jerking off to every curvy piece of driftwood you saw at the beach. Fight the people who don't like disco. Maybe you would. And you're consistently refusing to talk about pornography. Uh, Pete Buttigieg yeah. seems to be the exhibit A of that process. Yes, yes. Because you think that the anus is a sex organ, don't you, Pete? Uh, Richard Spencer hands out spears and he says, charge the machine gun nest. Dr. Jones. Sorry. <laughs> Not all of the heads of the Federal Reserve were Jews, but after a certain period of time, uh, that seemed to be the case. Hello and welcome to another episode of EMJ Live. This is one important week, uh, especially in the history of the Anti-Defamation League. Uh, this organization came into existence over 100 years ago to defend a Jewish pedophile murderer uh, by the name of Leo Frank. He was convicted of murder, sentenced to death, and then the Jews got uh, tried to mount a publicity campaign to get him freed. Uh, his case was uh, reviewed seven times each time, including the time at the Supreme Court it was upheld. And uh, he, the, when the governor uh, left office, he commuted a sentence igniting a riot that ended in the lynching of that man. And we have been suffering from that ever since at the hands of the ADL, which is known as the Anti-Defamation League, which uh, Elon Musk just noticed should be called the Defamation League because that's the business they're in. I found this out uh, a while ago. It's not news to me, but something new did happen this week. Okay. The ADL used to state clearly that E. Michael Jones was not a racist. 
That situation changed on July 14, 2023, when the ADL posted a revised profile on me, which contained the following assertion. In his writings, Jones has claimed that his views on Jews are not based on racial theories and that he is anti-Jewish, but not anti-Semitic. During an April 23 podcast, however, Jones undermined his claim when he stated the Jewish people are defined by their DNA. They have defective DNA, so they can't help themselves but be subversive people. Whoa, that's really damning. Did E. Michael Jones really say that? Well, wait a minute. Let's hold that in abeyance. I'll answer that question soon, but we have to uh, create the right chronology here. So, on the same day that tweet uh, came out, uh, I'm sorry, that was posted on the ADL website, Jonathan Greenblatt tweeted, the idea that Judaism is treacherous toward Christianity, including Catholicism, is anti-Semitic and false. Chris, conspiracy theories like the ones E. Michael Jones spread put Jews in danger and we must fight these hateful messages. Now, that's the opposite of what he just, what they just said. There are two issues here. It's religious. Is it a religious critique of the Jews? Which is what I did in the Jewish revolutionary spirit? Or is it a racial critique of the Jews? Which is it, Jonathan? Well, th at this point, it's both because Jonathan has now opened a war against me on two fronts, both the religious front and the racial front. Okay, man who picked up on this was Andrew Torba, uh, head of Gab. Uh, he picked up on the uh, uh, Greenblatt's use of the word treacherous and then posted the following tweet. Talmudic Judaism of today is nothing at all like the Judaism of the Old Testament, which ceased to be a religion in 70 AD when the temple was annihilated as Christ said it would be. No temple, no Old Testament Judaism. Something new took its place and was formed by the Jews who rejected and continued to reject Jesus Christ. All you have to do is read the book of Acts to see how the Jews who rejected Christ persecuted first century Christians, including ethnically Jewish believers. You can also read the Talmud to see all the treacherous things it has to say about goyim or non-Jews, or simply how Jews like you, Jonathan, treat Christians like myself and E. Michael Jones today. Nothing has changed in 2,000 years. Same song and dance. Repent and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jonathan. This is my sincere and honest prayer for you. Okay, so we're countering the religious angle here. This is the religious angle. I joined the discussion by tweeting, uh, Andrew Torba's analysis has forced Jonathan Greenblatt to sail into dangerous waters. We know that Greenblatt is an expert at defamation. That is his job as head of the ADL. But to engage in this fight, he's going to have to become an expert on Catholicism and its foundational texts, all of which support Torba's contention that the Jews rejected Christ and persecuted Christians and that they continue to do it to this day. This exchange put Greenblatt in a bind. Okay, unable to come up with any documentation that would refute what Torba said about Christianity, Greenblatt had to play the race card. 
But unfortunately for him, the claim that I held racial views was based on a lie. The ADL deliberately misrepresented my description of anti-Semitism as racial as something that I espoused. In other words, I was being accused of espousing the very thing that I condemned. Here's what I actually said on that podcast that the ADL mentioned. After my assistant, Mike Bajakis, asked, Dr. Jones, if you had a Catholic definition of anti-Semite, what would it be? It's the original definition of the term, which is basically that uh, uh, the Jew- Jewish uh, people are defined by their DNA. They have defective DNA, and so they can't help themselves but be uh, subversive people because of, of a form of biological determinism. That's what anti-Semitism means. That's what Wilhelm Marr was talking about when he came up with the term in 1870, 1871, because he he was a revolutionary. He didn't want to use the classic uh, Catholic arguments. Uh, So he came up with this biological determinist argument. It makes no sense. I said that, but they cut that out. The ADL is being completely dishonest here, recklessly dishonest. If you go to uh, traditional discussions, Catholic discussions of anti-Semitism, they will say basically, well, look, everybody, there's a big drama going on here in in Jerusalem at the time of Christ. And you got two groups who are duking it out. They're battling each other. It's the Jews who accepted Jesus Christ as the Messiah and the Jews who rejected uh, Christ as the Logos incarnate. Uh, they're both, they both have the same DNA. They are indistinguishable from each other racially. And so racial distinctions make no difference here. Now, this is really reckless because they were stupid enough to point us to what the, the podcast I actually, uh, where I said this, and it's obvious uh, that I said the exact opposite of what they claimed that I said. So, If you're going to, so I continued here. So if you were to say that the Gospels are anti-Jewish, well, you're right. You're absolutely right. The Gospel of St. John is anti-Jewish. There's no question about it because it's it's that conflict that I just described to you. Uh, But whenever they say that, there's always a sleight of hand that switches to anti-Semitic. Anti-Semitic means racial, and suddenly you've got the Catholics guilty of uh, racial hate crimes. That's what has to be clarified. That's the distinction that has to be made. And we were not, we should not allow ourselves to be railroaded into a position that we don't take. That's what I actually said. All of that was left out of the ADL uh, assassination attempt on me because it refuted what they were saying. I mean, how stupid can you get? If you ever needed proof that the Jews are blind, uh, look at what they just did here. Okay. We should not allow ourselves to be railroaded. We, Catholics, should not allow ourselves to be railroaded into a position we don't take, which is the racial position. That, however, is precisely what Greenblatt's ADL tried to do here. He took the racial position, which I had articulated as the opposite of what I believed, and claimed that I held the position that I set out to refute in the hope that no one would go back to the original source and discover Greenblatt's mendacity or his chutzpah in trying to pull off this flagrant misrepresentation of what I believed. In order to turn me into a racist, the ADL had to lie about me and say that I said the exact opposite of what I said. But it didn't work. 
Greenblatt overplayed his hand. Once the original video got posted, the ADL tried to back away from what they had just said about me by removing my original quote and replacing it with the following parenthetical statement. Quote, a previous version mistakenly stated that E. Michael Jones endorsed racial anti-Semitism. Well, oh, oh, they, I guess they had to admit, they had to admit that they lied right here, didn't they? Uh, mistakenly, no, it wasn't a mistake. It was deliberate. It was a deliberate distortion of what I said, and they know it, and they're trying to sneak away from it by making this statement to cover their ass legally. They were hoping that no one would notice. Well, a lot of people did notice. And even more people noticed after I tweeted the following. Quote, the ADL backs down. Caught with his pants down, the ADL amended its website attack on me to say a previous version mistakenly stated that E. Michael Jones endorsed racial anti-Semitism while deleting some defamatory accusations, but adding other inflammatory language. If the ADL were truthful, it would delete its entire piece on me and substitute a legend that said, quote, a previous version mistakenly said that E. Michael Jones is an anti-Semite. We apologize. Okay. That's what I tweeted. And then the comments on that made clear the ADL does not apologize. They are in the defamation business, and the risks involved in that business involve a certain amount of damage control to avoid lawsuits, hence this disclaimer. But legal jeopardy is only one of Jonathan Greenblatt's problems. He now has to deal with the fact that he has accepted my definition of anti-Semitism. If, as he put it, anti-Semitism can be defined by the claim that, quote, the Jewish people are defined by their DNA, they have defective DNA so they can't help themselves but be subversive people, then he is admitting that I have been right all along in defining anti-Semitism as a form of biological determinism. Proof that Greenblatt and the ADL accept the biological definition is the fact that they used it to defame me, which they could only do by lying about what I said. As soon as they were caught in that lie, they had to admit that I do not hold that position, which means that according to their definition, I am not an anti-Semite. More than that, they have admitted that being anti-Jewish is not the same as being anti-Semitic, which means in effect that those who base their criticism of Jews on theological and not biological grounds, as Andrew Torba did, cannot be accused of anti-Semitism. Then, after bringing up the race versus religion distinction, the ADL tells us to ignore it because Jones's quote, hate-fueled rhetoric however, makes any such distinction academic. Uh, so whatever, okay, whatever, wait a minute. Not so fast, Jonathan. Thanks to Jonathan Greenblatt, we now understand the sleight of hand behind the accusations of anti-Semitism, which have been used to cow the goyim into submission for over a century now. Greenblatt's admission is important because it paves the way to sue the ADL for its reckless use of the term anti-Semitism. 
Now anyone who is slandered by the ADL can point to Greenblatt's admission that anything other than the biological determinism definition they tried to pin on me is not anti-Semitism and therefore clearly defamatory. In other words, if the, if the ADL accuses you of anti-Semitism and you're not a biological determinism, determinist, they have engaged in defamation and you can sue them. It also allows American citizens to defend themselves against the hate crimes legislation that the Biden administration is now planning. In May of 2023, the Biden administration released the first U.S. national strategy to counsel, counter anti-Semitism, a document which President Biden claimed, quote, represents the most ambitious and comprehensive U.S. government-led effort to fight anti-Semitism in American history. The historical significance of this document diminished considerably in light of the legal disclaimer which preceded any of its content. According to that disclaimer, the U.S. national strategy to counter anti-Semitism does not supersede, modify, or direct any interpretation of any existing federal, state, or local By now, it should be obvious that this disclaimer isn't worth the paper that it's written on. If, Green, if Greenblatt gets his way, American citizens will go to jail for espousing what the ADL erroneously, according to their own admission now, calls anti-Semitism. God, however, has used the Jews' traditional blindness to lure them into a trap of their own making. In an example of what Hegel called the cunning of reason, we can now hold the ADL to what is now its own definition of the term. If they charge you with anything other than some form of racial biological determinism, their definition does not apply to you. At this point, we should thank Jonathan Gold Greenblatt for his intransigence. By not apologizing for slandering me, he has substantiated a definition of anti-Semitism that leaves everyone but the Nazis off the hook. That's my rant. Let's hear what you have to say. All right. Pretty good. Hold on a second, guys. Uh, yeah. Hello. This is Mike Bajakis, Dr. Jones' assistant that we mentioned earlier. Uh, for you guys who do not know, uh, we have Collins section here. Collins are made in our Telegram. Uh, if you're watching on various platforms, uh, the links will be in descriptions to find that telegram. Uh, I'm going to call on those who raise their hands. Uh, there are no paid super chats. Uh, try to keep questions on subject. Try to keep the one question. Be respectful of time. And like I remind you guys every week, do not forget to unmute whatever you do. All right. Let's get the chat up here. All right. Uh, let's go to Elros. Go ahead, Elros. Uh, can you hear me, Dr. Jones? I can. Good, good. Okay, I'm standing outside. It's a bit windy, so hopefully that doesn't interfere. I'm also holding my daughter, my three-month-old, and she's asleep-ish, so hopefully she doesn't pipe up, um, which uh, sort of introduces what I want to say. Uh, I called in for the first time several months ago and, and told you about um, the way that God had worked in my life. Um, you know, I, I joined the Catholic Church in 2020, and shortly thereafter, I met my wife, and we just had our daughter this year. Um, Congratulations. And I've called in, 
Thank you, Dr. Jones. I've called in several times since then, and I'm calling in now, which may be my last call, and because my, my work won't allow me to anymore after today. But um, <clears throat> uh, your your assistant, Mike, who I appreciate as well, uh, is, I think is familiar with me. He, uh, Well, not, not personally, but I think he's recognized my call-ins by this point. I've <laughs> called in a few times. But in any case, doctor, um, I'm, a, I'm a resident of Indiana as well. Uh, I live a few hours south of you. And um, I'm, I'm a writer as well. And I've been following your work for years now. And uh, it, it may be presumptuous of me, but I figured I'd ask anyway, since um, uh, this may be the last time I can call in. Um, I have a website. Uh, not very much of my writing is posted to it yet. But I'm working on a rather rigorous um, treatment of the subject of Logos right now. Um, but as compared to the concept of Dharma, and uh, there's one conversation I remember you having wherein this topic was addressed, um, where uh, you were talking to somebody who was, who was asking you about your opinion on the comparison between Dharma and Logos. And um, I, I believe that it's just you, you weren't in incredibly familiar with the Eastern literature that, that is inclusive of the concept of Dharma. And so it wasn't, um, it, it, it wasn't the, the conversation that it might have been, not, no, no fault of your own. So uh, I'm, I'm writing a rather rigorous piece on this at the moment, and I'm wondering if it might be at all possible for me to uh, email you and maybe send you what I have so far and uh, get your critique. Um, I, yes. Um, uh, yes, yeah. send, send, it to, send it to me at jones at culturewars.com, and I'll look it over. Uh, as to jones at culturewars.com, that's my email address. Anyone who wants to contact me, the best way is to contact me through at that email address. First of right. all, uh, congratulations on the birth of your child. Congratulations on your marriage. And, and uh, let me say that uh, you are proof uh, that... Uh, People can turn their lives around and have a meaningful life, a meaningful, productive life uh, when they align themselves with the Logos incarnate and the church he founded here. So congratulations, and you're a, an example to everyone else out there uh, to follow your example. When it comes to Dharma, you're right. I don't know a whole lot about I think I was debating with uh, or talking to a Buddhist. If he, if he were going to bring it up, he should have told me and I would have uh, done some research, but he kind of sprang it on me. And I don't know a lot about it. I know more about Tao, the Chinese uh, version of Logos or Urta. Uh, there is a, an Indian version of Logos in their earliest texts. This is what uh, we would call Logoi Spermatikoi. These are the God is the author of creation. He cannot create something and withhold his presence from it in some way or other. And so early on, even after the fall, this man is struggling to get out of the, the confusion that that event created. They come up with their own understanding of what became the Greek, uh, a, a much more uh, conclusive uh, view of the term in Logos, which then got adopted by the Catholic Church when St. John wrote his gospel uh, and began it with, uh, in the beginning, there was Logos. So again, thanks for your testimony. Thank you, Dr. Jones. And absolutely, I, I agree with your your summary there. Um, I think that uh, many cultures have, have been influenced by the Logos in such a way that they manifest their own understanding. And um, 
Yeah, uh, so uh, it, just uh, just to confirm, it's it's jones at culturewars.com? Right. All right, thank you, Doctor. God bless. You're welcome. All right, thanks, Elros. Uh, on to another friend here. Let's go to a Chicago talk show host. Go ahead, Chicago. Don't forget to unmute. You there, Chicago talk show host. Unmute button. Nope. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll pick you we'll pick you uh, another time try to get that figured out all right um Jordan D go ahead Jordan hey there uh, I quick question uh, I was wondering when uh, when you end up passing away who is going to continue selling your books do you have a plan good question good question uh, I'll burn that bridge when I come to it. That's the family, the Jones family model. So, uh, so something, something will happen. Something will happen. I don't know. Uh, I'm not planning to die anytime soon. My mother lived to be 100. Uh, my father lived to be 81. I could die tomorrow, but uh, I've got other things to think about at this point. So get back to me when uh, I'm ready to die, and maybe we'll have an answer. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, let's see. Let's uh, real quick try Chicago Talk Show again. Go ahead, Chicago. Hello, Dr. Jones. Yes, hello. Hello there. And so I want your commentary. I just picked up this book called Lost in Translation, written by Marianne Grossman, a medical doctor, and she's Jewish. And there's a couple of things I think you'll find interesting that I already I started to read, and I think you'll find also interesting. So... Um, in this book, she uses a lot of military tech terminology, which makes me think of the Jewish revolutionary spirit. She brings up uh, in the book that she won't talk about pornography's role in the uh, whole transgender agenda. There's a complete lack of spiritual component in any of her defense so far. There's absolutely no mention of the religious component, yet trying to arm parents with reason and logic alone. Um, she does, however, name people like uh, Richard Levine, also known as Rachel Levine, which is interesting. So she's not afraid to call out some of her fellow Jewish people. And also, uh, there's a foreword by Dr. Jordan Peterson in which he mentioned he evokes the Holocaust twice. Um, she has used the word crusade in the negative connotation multiple times in the introduction, and she prefaces the book with a note on language, but dismisses or ignores the divine component to language. What are your thoughts? Thank you. Now, explain to me, is she promoting transgenderism or is she objecting to transgenderism? No, sir. This is a defense for parents who are mired in the in the world of transgender agenda when their kids come home and they say they, they want to be something they want to be a boy when they're really a girl. And then right away, the 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 argument is, well, if you don't do that, your pit, your kid's going to commit suicide. So she's in favor of transgenderism. No, sir. She's he's she's defending parents against trans the transgender oh, okay. agenda. OK, OK. So. But, but okay, I, I I got that now. Okay, all right. Now the uh, the the argument is if you uh, uh, is inadequate if you're going to just establish it in a vacuum. Why, why should you be against? Why? Uh, who are you to say that uh, 
this lady, uh, this guy really isn't a girl. Who are you to say that? How can you back that up? Well, you have to have some type of transcendental reference point here. And the transcendental reference point is God. And God is the Logos, and Logos is the order of the universe. And uh, it says in Genesis, male and female, he created them. So unless you have some type of transcendental backup like that, which Jews don't have, uh, not uh, I mean, as Jews, as contemporary Jews, they simply don't have that. Now, there, there are exceptions of Jews who believe things that, that, that contemporary Jews do not believe. But if, you're, if she's a contemporary Jew, she simply doesn't have that transcendental point of view. And so the whole thing is going to fail. Uh, her attempt to prevent this will fail. And uh, what I see here when you talk about Jordan Peterson mentioning the Holocaust, that's a, a, a pseudo, an ersatz, an ersatz, transcendental narrative. That is the transcendental narrative for our culture. It has been the transcendental narrative uh, for the American empire for a long time. And that's the subject of my forthcoming book, The Holocaust Narrative, which is being printed as we speak. Uh, but uh, I, so Jordan Peterson, to his credit, understands that you need some type of transcendental uh, viewpoint, some kind of transcendental authority uh, to uh, back up your argument, but he doesn't know what it is. He, I'm not sure he believes in God. You know, do you believe in God, Jordan? Well, it depends on what you mean by God. I guess it also depends on what you mean by Jordan too. But I mean, that's not a basis. And, it, and so he's uh, aware of the vacuum and he tries to fill it with the Holocaust. Not going to work. Not going to work. You're playing into the hands of your enemies. You're internalizing the commands of your oppressors. And the main uh issue, the main thing that has turned the entire Western world into slaves, especially pieces like, uh, places like Germany, is internalizing the command of their oppressors known as the Holocaust. Thank you. Well, like he always says, I can't do it. You can't, you certainly can't. I just can't do it. All right, moving on here. Uh, MV. Go ahead, MV. Dr. Jones, I thought that was a pretty good uh, checkmate of uh, Mr. Greenblatt. I don't know where it appeared originally, but that was very well played. He had Thank nowhere you. to go. Thank you. And um, on the note of your books, um, after your passing or whenever that might happen, uh, you mentioned that the seminarians, some of the younger ones that have discovered your books, have come in and said, this is amazing. We haven't been taught this. I wonder if you've heard anything more about that. Are they catching on? Are the seminaries freaking out about it? How do you think that's being handled? I think it's there's a, a generational uprising here. This is not a seminary. Um, uh, I'm talking now. Uh, first of all, I base that on the people uh, from Mount St. Mary's who showed up my talk. Okay. Uh, 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 about okay. 20 seminarians showed up. I was not allowed to speak there because that's the old regime. Okay, the old uh, guard is still in charge there, but the younger generation understands what I'm saying, and I think that's a better explanation of the Catholic faith than this ridiculous uh, Catholic-Jewish dialogue that has eviscerated the faith over the past 60 years. Oh, another example is a um, report from a traditionalist conference uh, in Italy uh, that uh, I was supposed to speak at, but then I got canceled at the last minute. Anyway, uh, the younger generation is now in the same situation. The older generation basically used the Latin mass and traditionalism as an elaborate way not to say the word Jew. 
uh, and it's wearing off. That was also conservatism. They were closely linked. I'm talking about people from New York City, uh, that type of Catholic conservatism, traditionalist Catholic uh, thought. And it's breaking down because the younger generation now no longer shares the Jew taboo. They understand that this, the Jewish question, is the fundamental political question of our age and our country. We have, uh, have you watched what happened to Robert F. Kennedy lately? He's, yes. trying, he's trying to talk. He's trying to talk about censorship. And who's shouting him down? Debbie, <laughs> Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Well, wait a minute. Is she an Irish Catholic? No. And who's helping her shout him down? Well, it's the other guy. What's the, the, uh, the congressman? Uh, the other Jew. It's a Jewish operation. And there's, um, you know, Robert F. Kennedy with Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, at one point, he said, <laughs> he said, uh, my uncle, John F. Kennedy, supported Israel's right to exist. And I tweeted, well, did Israel support your uncle's right to exist? I don't think so. <laughs> I think that they were implicated heavily in the assassination of John F. Kennedy because John F. Kennedy was going to prevent them from getting a nuclear reactor in Daimona. That's why they killed him. It wasn't a well, Wasn't RFK himself assassinated because of his stance on Israel? Uh, Sirhan Sirhan was a Lebanese no, Christian, I, I think. And Jim, yeah, I think that, that, first of all, Sirhan did not shoot him. Robert Kennedy knows that, so at least he's honest about that. Uh, really? I think, oh yeah, he, 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 Robert F. Kennedy said Sirhan did not kill my father. The guy, the guy who killed him, uh, Sirhan had a 22 firing from the front, and the shot that killed uh, Robert F. Kennedy was uh, a bigger caliber bullet shot from the back directly into his head, point blank. So we know that that's false. Okay, now I'm saying the reason that Robert Kennedy was shot because, is because he was going to become president. Everybody knew that. And once he became president, he was going to open up the file and find out who killed his brother. And they couldn't allow that. I think that was the main motivation in killing Robert Kennedy. And it was different than the motive in killing John F. Kennedy. But the point I'm trying to make here is, listen, Junior, this is, we know this. Why are, why are you trying to curry favor with people who hate you? Why are you currying favor with the people who killed your uncle? This is crazy, but this is the political situation we're in and it's got to change. And that's precisely, I think, what the, the younger generation is waking up to. You can't avoid it. You cannot avoid it. The Congress is Israeli-occupied territory. Pat Buchanan became famous, demonized when he said that, but it's true. It's true. And this is the fundamental political fact in American life. And until we have some candidate who addresses it, it's not going to get better. Now, there was a time in history when there, uh, there was an anti-Masonic party in American life. And it sounds crazy. Anti-Masonic party? What kind of party is that? Well, it's because Freemasonry was a serious problem. It was a secret society. It was running America from behind the scenes. Well, guess what? We have the Jews doing the same thing right now, running the country from behind the scenes. So I, I, I spoke here and did an article uh, on Biden's minion about the Jews in his cabinet. And somebody rightly rebuked me for saying and said, 
Look, a minion is 10 people. Here's a picture of 450-some Jews standing on the steps of the White House that have taken over the administration. So don't minimize this by calling it a, a, a minion. They have, take, they have taken over the Biden administration. They are happy that Biden is non-compass mentis because they get to control him like a robot. And they're, they're also blackmailing him because of all the crimes he and his son have been involved in. So that's exactly what they want to happen. That's exactly why Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who is a Democrat, attacked Robert F. Kennedy uh, in those hearings, uh, attacked the man who comes from the most famous Democratic Party of the uh, uh, Democratic family of the 20th century. That's what's going on here. Wow. Well, I'm enthusiastic to see what uh, your works will have on the up-and-coming religious leaders. Thank you for that. Thank you. Okay, next we go to Jakey. Go ahead, Jakey. Hi, Dr. Jones. Hello. Sorry, Tina Pace, I've got a biblical question for you. Um, what do you think of the, the, the passage, Matthew 18, 18 6? For whoso shall offend one of the least little ones, which believe in me, it were better for them him that a millstone be hanged to the neck, and he be drowned in the depth of the sea. What do you think of that passage? Uh, I'm sorry, I couldn't understand what you were saying. Can you read it? Can you sorry, read it more slowly? Eight, eight, eighteen six, Matthew eighteen six. It's the millstone passage, where he says, "Who, who, whosoever shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me." It were better for him that a millstone were oh, hanged yeah. about his okay. neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Yeah. That's really, it's quite a powerful passage. Yes, it is. Quite a, almost, a, almost a violent passage. Yeah, what, it's, what, it's, what, it, what's your thoughts on that? It's talking about corruption, corrupting young people. It's, 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 yeah. a, it's aimed at educators. Uh, I think that what, uh, I mean, I used to say this about theology professors at Notre Dame University. Uh, but it's gotten, I did once did a cover of uh, some theologian who said Christ didn't rise from the dead. And I had a, a picture of his picture. And then there was a millstone hanging around his neck. Uh, so I, I inaugurated the millstone of the year award for the worst Catholic theologian uh, around. But we, we've gotten worse now because now we have a drag queen story hour. This is an abomination. Yeah. Everything has gotten worse uh, because we have uh, well, because, well, the Jews took over the American Library Association. That's why that got worse. But, I mean, that's exactly what it's talking about. So now it's it's completely outrageous. Uh, but I think that's what you're talking about. You, if you, if you yeah. use your authority to corrupt young people, you will be severely punished in the next life. In the next life, yeah. But not this one. <laughs> okay. But that's the, yeah, it's quite powerful. It's quite a powerful passage. It's almost like yeah. it's contradicting some of the Thou shalt not kill and all this stuff and that and love thy Look, neighbor and don't don't uh, don't underestimate God's ability to punish you in this life. That can happen too, and it it, it does yeah. happen. But we know it will happen in the next life. That's where the scores are going to be evened up. That's when it's going to happen, even if you get away with it oh. in this life. Thanks, Dr. Jones. I love you, man. Thank you. All right. Uh... There. All right. Andrew Horval. Go ahead, Andrew. Uh, Dr. Jones, can you hear me? I can. A great distinction uh, that you made between the biological determinism 
and that which is spiritual kind of reminds me of Ephesians 6, 12, where we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world. And uh, uh, speaking of the uh, Logos and the end of Judaism, you mentioned that Torba had alluded to the fact that any sort of righteous Judaism ended at the destruction of the temple. I just was reading Eusebius um, yesterday. Maybe it was even earlier. I don't know if you came across this yourself, but he suggested that uh, when High Caranus was the last regular line of high priests, and that when Jesus and this occurred, he was the last high priest when Jesus uh, was born. And we know that Jesus is the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So I don't know if you have, have ever looked into that, but I thought I found that interesting considering uh, the topic of the Logos. And then I have a question. Uh, Torba had just posted, what movie are you going to see, Barbie or Oppenheimer? And he posted screenshots of the early life of the Jewish connection of those that were uh, responsible for... Um, inventing Barbie, and then also the Oppenheimer uh, connection. And then all I said was, it's hard not to notice these days in the reply. Nazis of Twitter says, it's hard not to notice how many literal Nazis there are. And I replied to him, I said, are they making movies too? And he says, no, laugh out loud. They just have verified Twitter accounts. And I said, interesting. I don't know that I didn't know that the ADL were Nazis. And the conversation ended there. But what are your thoughts on these these latest movies? Do you think that they're some sort of psyops with these connections? And then, I, I, like I said, I don't know if you really went to that Logos. I, I, I'm shocked. Are you claiming that Hollywood makes Jewish movies? I'm, I'm shocked to hear this. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know this. Well, I did know this, as a matter of fact. And that was been, that's been one of the major struggles in this country for, for, for years now. Uh, but even when they're serious, they're making uh, movies about Jews and turning. Look, uh, uh, I don't. I know that the the Jews were involved in stealing the atomic bomb and then give, sending it over to the Soviet Union. Uh, I know that was well. I don't know what Oppen. I don't know enough about Oppenheimer to 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 say anything other than uh, what I know about Werner Heisenberg. There's a chapter in Logos Rising on Werner Heisenberg, and his connection with Niels Bohr. At the beginning of the 20th century, these people were, they're basically philosophers, okay? They're the, the Fusiologoi, like the original Greek uh, pre-Socratic philosophers. They wanted to find out what the ultimate reality was, and they thought it was a little ball uh, that you could smash or something like that. So it became very complicated. But the main result of uh, Heisen Heisenberg won the uh, Nobel Prize in 31. Um, and the main, it, it, they never got to an ultimate particle, so they failed as philosophers. But they, what they did understand is if you split the atom, you can release a lot of energy. And that energy is very destructive. And that was the basis for the atomic bomb. So what happened over this period of time is that the, the uh, physics society, uh, which was united in 1900 or the early 20th century, split according, according to... Uh, racial or religious lines, depending how you define it. And the split was epitomized by the split between Niels Bohr and, and uh, Werner Heisenberg. Now, Bohr was a Jew, and Bohr uh, was upset with Heisenberg, upset with the Nazis. He's living in Denmark, and there's a, a play based on the fact that Heisenberg went and met with him up in Copenhagen. 
uh, I can't vouch for the authenticity of the play, but I do know that Heisenberg went back. He was the chief uh, man in charge of the atomic bomb project in Germany, and he didn't want it to happen. And so he came up with uh, some type of explanation that they didn't have enough heavy water or they needed this, that, and the other thing. He stalled it. He, he slow walked the atomic bomb program in Germany so that Hitler wouldn't get the bomb and drop it God knows where. But the Jews did the exact opposite. They fast-tracked the thing. And as a result, the United States got the bomb and then they dropped it on Japan. They would have dropped it on Germany. There's no question in my mind they would have dropped it on Germany, but they didn't have it in time. And the war ended in Germany, and then they dropped it on Japan. So at this point, Heisenberg is in a prisoner of war camp in England, and he's shocked to learn that the United States did go ahead with this bomb, and they actually used it. He's stunned by that fact. It's a betrayal. Is it true? I was going to say, is it true that the two cities— that the bomb that these bombs were dropped on are, were the most Christian. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, yeah, city. I've, I've heard that too. Anyway, that's what I know. I I, I think I, I should watch the Oppenheimer. I'm sure they made a, a, a hero out of him, but at this point, I'd have to go watch the movie to tell you one way or the other. Thanks, Doctor Jones. Keep up the good fight. You're welcome. All right. Next, we have uh, Andrew. Just Andrew this time. Go ahead, Andrew. Hi, doctor. Um, just a quick question. You mentioned Iceland, and it's confirmed. You mentioned how, obviously, uh, Jews had the banks there, you know, increasing debt for everybody there. And then one day, the Icelanders just, you know, got fed up with them and burned down the banks and kicked out all the Jews. I just want to know, that's why maybe Iceland is so peaceful and economically, you know, normal. How come they, you know, Jews never retaliated against Iceland? How come they never really, you know, pushed for, you know, everything that's happening now in the West? You know, since well, they're all... The, 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 story, you know? the story, as I understand it, is that the Icelanders got into banking and they got into computer banking. They were the first groups to get into computer banking. And they were immediately successful. Uh, and as I understand it, the, the it was the the British felt that this was a threat to their to the city. The city is a bank. It's a bank. I mean, England is kind of like a bank uh, attached to a country. It's like uh, uh, you know Switzerland in some probably in some greater sense now than it was in the 19th century. But it was. Uh, the British felt that Icelandic computer banking was a threat, and so they simply froze their assets and wrecked it. They wrecked uh, Iceland. So that's the story I understood, as I understood it. There may have been Jews involved. It's not obviously you can be a Jew and a British banker at the same time. That may have been the case, but uh, I don't know the story about the uh, the Jews getting kicked out of Iceland. I haven't heard that story. Okay, thanks, Doc. All right, um, let's, we'll do a couple more, and then we're going to go to Cozy. So you guys on Cozy, start writing in your questions. All right, uh, Alex, go ahead, Alex. Hey, Dr. Jones, uh, I'm a Catholic seminarian. I want to say thank you for your work. I really appreciate all that you do. You're welcome. So I've read a lot of your work, and I understand your arguments that Jews are overrepresented in every revolutionary movement against Christendom. I think it's rock solid. 
but I'm having a hard time making the rock-solid case that the important passages in the New Testament support that. So I was reading a St. Genesis Catholic Apologetic Study Bible commentary on the Apocalypse, and he says that the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews but are not, refers to Jews who pretended to be converts to Christianity and not all non-Christian Jews, and also the common liberal exegesis of passages like 1 Thessalonians 2.15, and uh, John 8.44 is that it only refers to the Jews who are actively persecuting Christians and not all of the non-Christian Jews. So my question is, how do we respond to the liberal exegesis of these passages that try to contradict the Jewish revolutionary spirit view? Okay, for, uh, first of all, I, I respect uh, Bob's Genesis as an exegete. I, I think that, that what he said about the, the synagogue of Satan in the apocalypse uh, may be true, but uh, I, I just don't see it with uh, 1 Thessalonians 2. I'm sorry, that's the, uh, the Jews. He's talking about the Jewish people. And the same thing is true of uh, the Gospel of St. John. Hoi Judeoi refers to the Jews as a people. Okay, that doesn't mean every Jew. Does, obviously, the Blessed Mother, I, I just went through this with my talk about DNA. The DNA argument makes no sense when you're talking about the time of uh, the Acts of the Apostles because it's an intra-Jewish, intra-DA battle. Okay? So when you say hoyudeoi, you mean the Jewish people, which is a collectivity, a political collectivity with a leadership and followers. That's what we're talking about. They are the people that killed Christ. It's not the same thing as all Jews. Now, if that resolves the issue, that's, that's the way I see it. Uh, yeah, I guess I would just say that, is there any further resources we can go to kind of defend against the liberals who try to exegete this as saying, you know, that is only referring to the Jews in the Second Temple period who were persecuting, or we pretty much just have to make our case based on the history, in your opinion? No, if they make the assertion, the burden of proof lies on them. So there are people, like I had this ridiculous discussion with uh, Michael Brown, you know, who said that, uh, oh, it's, it's, it's not the Jews or the people who killed Christ, it's the Judeans. Well, this is crazy. I know the Greek word. It's hoiudeoi. It's the Jews. If there's a, a, a translation in the New Revised Standard, whatever it is, that says Judeans, that doesn't change the original. But the trouble is when you disagree with uh, uh, Michael Brown's cockamamie ideas, he calls you an anti-Semite uh, uh, because that's way, his way of ending the argument. So the, the burden of proof, uh, same with when people say it's the Jewish leaders. It was the Jewish leaders who killed Christ. That's not what the gospel says. The gospel says, hoi judeoi, the Jews. That's it. That's a category of reality that uh, St. John uses in his gospel. And if you want to, if you're embarrassed by it, well, find another religion. Because Jesus Christ will not stick up for you when you stand before the Father if you're embarrassed by his gospel here on earth. All right, well, thank you very much for answering that. Uh, we're going to keep trying to not succumb to the fear of the Jews here in the seminaries. Good. So thanks, Dr. Jones. God bless you. Awesome, awesome. All right, uh, we're going to go to Cozy now. Cozy shut down for a little bit, and if anyone who jumped from Cozy came to the Telegram, Cozy's back, so you can go back. All right, Cozy here. Let's see, what do we got? Um, has little uh, question. Uh, Dr. Jones... Uh, does Dr. Jones have a preferred source for teaching people uh, about the origins of the ADL? 
Didn't the Nation of Islam just come out with something? Yeah, I think they did. I think that would probably be a good source. I know that they've come up with the best source on uh, on um, the Leo Frank case, and the Leo Frank case is the beginning of the uh, of the ADL. Um, you know, Jeff Steinberg and Paul Goldstein were working for LaRouche in the '90s, and they came up. Uh, they attacked the ADL. It was a, a, a courageous attack on their part, like 30 years ago. Uh, but I don't know whether they wrote anything, and I ha I've lost contact with them. But I know there's a YouTube video of Jeff Steinberg attacking the ADL and uh, talking about Meyer Lansky and that whole sordid tradition. So uh, other than that, that's all I can tell you. All right. Um, from Catulus, uh, Pope Francis nominated 73% of all cardinals, many of them uh, with progressive positions. Um, what do we expect from this scenario? I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, I know what the intention behind it is. The Jesuits want to rule the church forever. So they're packing it with their people who are sympathetic to the oligarchic agenda, the the homosexual agenda. Uh, look, the, the, the situation uh, in, in the Middle Ages, the late Middle Ages, uh, was uh, corrupt. The cardinals were all in the pockets of the usurers. The users would come and lend the cardinals money so that they could buy votes. And then suddenly uh, the pope comes, new pope comes, and uh, before uh, the, the Medici can get to the conclave, they elected a pope that brought about the Counter-Reformation. So that, it was corrupt, but something happened and it got uncorrupted. And I think that we can count on this uh, given the nature of the church. How it's going to happen, I don't know. I don't know because I don't have a crystal ball and I don't know what happens in the conclave. But I know that Cardinal Kroll told me he was obviously in the conclaves more than one. Uh, he, uh, jo The one that elected John Paul II. And he said, all I can say about it is that everyone who wrote about it was wrong. So that's all I can say. I, I just have to add off, obviously, the Cardinal's are the people who elect the new pope. That's what, obviously what I'm trying to talk about here. Um, from uh, from Swagain, uh, have you read any of Alice Lindsay? She writes about biblical anthropology. No. Her book just came out. No. No. All right. Um, from Dindinger, what is your take on Masoretic, Masoretic text of the Old Testament versus Septuagint? Masoretic, I Masoretic. think it's yeah. I have no opinion. Talk to Bobson Jennis. Bobson Jennis, all right. Um, let's see. From Sir Harold Kemp. Uh, question. Uh, does Dr. Jones have a recommendation uh, source for brown scapulars and other Catholic equipment? No, but I'm sure you could find it. If you look it up somewhere, some Catholic website, I'm sure if you type in brown scapula, they'll tell you. They'll tell you the history of it. From V.W. Mao, uh, Dr. Jones, are Jews even a race? And if so, can they be tracked back to Second Temple of Israel Jews? The Ashkenazi have no, are not a Semitic people. Uh, I think it's 90% of all Jews are Ashkenazi Jews. They are not a Semitic people. They, they have no DNA connection with the Semitic people. Uh, who existed back then, uh, the Palestinians do. They are true Semitic people. Uh, so, no, they don't have any 
biological connection with uh, what happened at the time of Christ. Uh, but this, this is irrelevant to my argument because I'm saying that uh, what is, we're talking, not talking about DNA, we're talking about a Geist, what the Germans call Geist or spirit. It's a Jewish revolutionary spirit that is the result of sins that they committed, their rejection of Logos, and that's completely independent of DNA. It has nothing to do with DNA. So you can be a manifestation, you can be a, a devotee of the Jewish revolutionary spirit, even if you're not a Jew. And Puritans are examples. They were Jew, Judaizers. They were called themselves Christian, but they acted like Jews. Uh, the same thing is true today. True today. Uh, okay. From West Coast Zoomer, uh, Dr. Jones, can you re-elaborate re your take on IQ and its validity? Yeah, it was uh, the Stanford Binet tests were created to keep uh, certain immigrants, immigrants from Southern and Eastern Europe out of the United States. So it was created with a bias uh, to begin with. And then the situation only got worse over time. So uh, if you if you're interested in the history of the test, I have an article, an article by Chris Rapcevich, which we published in Culture Wars, which I'd be happy to send you. Uh, but also there's a book by uh, Nicholas Lemon called The Big Test, uh, which is the, a good history of standardized tests and where they came from and what they were used to do. So the big breakthrough came when America needed, uh, wanted to embark on its imperial adventure. They needed a huge pool of uh, soldiers, and so they created the Army IQ test to see if they could distinguish, you know, the, all these people, put them in the proper job, stuff like that. Uh, it, it eventually evolved into the uh, SAT test, which the Ivy League uh, sort of backed because they, they were the, the pool of people going to elite universities to staff the American empire was simply too small. You couldn't just rely on those prep schools in New England anymore to do that. So they had to, you know, rake through the rubbish in places like Indiana, uh, find my, people like my son and bring them to Harvard uh, because they needed a bigger bigger gene pool. The problem here is that the, uh, the geniuses in Princeton who created the SAT never changed the test. Okay, so it was the same questions year after year. And somebody who figured this out was Mr. Kaplan, a Jew from Brooklyn, who created a prep course for the SATs. And after the, the Jews in Brooklyn would go to this and Basically, after about three years, he had every single question and every single answer. And so he could just tell the Jews what the answers were. Uh, and that was the result. They all got uh, with the 1,600 in their SATs. And that meant they got into Harvard. And after they got into Harvard, they took over. So if, you're, if you believe that Jews are intelligent or more intelligent than the rest of us, all I can do is recommend uh, read a book by Yuval Noah Harari. There's a one-man refutation of the myth of Jewish intelligence. Okay, uh, from, uh, let's see, where was it? Ah, there it is, um, from Falco Felix. Uh, uh, Dr. Jones, what are your thoughts on St. Edith Stein? Her canonization based on what is likely a false story confuses me. Okay, uh, Pope John Paul II said, Edith Stein died in a gas chamber in Auschwitz. We don't know that. 
that was just one of these off-the-cuff remarks that had become common after the, 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 the Holocaust narrative basically took over, became the prime narrative of the 20th century. Uh, so all we know is that she was uh, arrested, uh, put on a train, and never heard from again. Uh, so I don't, uh, her canonization is not based on how she died. Her canonization is based on how she lived. Unlike uh, Max, Maximilian Kolbe, uh, his canonization is based on uh, offering his life up uh, as a hostage for one of the, uh, the, I believe it was a Jewish family man at Auschwitz, and he was killed by a, a phenol injection to the heart. So I don't see that uh, the circumstances of Ada Stein's death have anything to do with whether she becomes a saint or not. I mean, theoretically. Now, of course, uh, there are people who want to canonize Ada Stein because, okay, she's a woman. We need women. Uh, all of the affirmative action things kick in, I'm sure, at the, uh, the congregation for the, for the saints. And, uh, of course, uh, the Jews have veto power there uh, uh, as the holdup of Father Dehon's canonization, Pius XII, and so on and so forth. But on the other hand, the Jews are not happy with Adolf Stein anyway. They would not want to. They would not want. They don't want her to be canonized because she's a traitor to the Jewish race, according to them. So I don't think it. I don't think it's any of these things. They all balance out in the end, as far as I'm concerned. From Alex Great, uh, Russia announced to open uh, an embassy in Jerusalem. Is this kind of proof of Putin's loyalty to the Jews? Putin has a very complex relationship with the Jews. Okay, when Putin took office, uh, it was on the heels of uh, the Boris Yeltsin presidency. Boris Yeltsin was a puppet of Jeffrey Sachs. Jeffrey Sachs has said this. He said he was in the room when Boris Yeltsin made certain announcements. And uh, Jeffrey Sachs' job was to facilitate the looting of Russia. Uh, which create, take, took the, the, the wealth of the state and put it into private hands. It was a privatization looting scheme. And the result was eight uh, very rich Jewish oligarchs. No, seven of eight, I think, were Jews. And at that point, uh, uh, Putin had to come to grips with that situation. And it was basically, it's my way or the highway. So I'm not going to take your money away from you, but if you think you're going to tell me what to do, you're mistaken. And if you think you're going to do it, you better leave. And some of the Jews left, and they became part of the opposition against Putin. And some of them stayed. And, I, you know, I wish, I wish Putin were a philosopher king, but he's not. I think he's the greatest statesman of the late 20th, early 21st century because rescuing uh, Russia from extinction is uh, qualifies him for that that title but uh he's a politician who goes and deals with the situation as it exists and he's always been he, he feels responsible for some reason for the jews who are or, i'm sorry for the russians who are now in israel and so he's reluctant to go against israel and so on and so forth he's a politician who weighs pros and cons and makes decisions that I would make that he would not make if he were a philosopher. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this, but I'm gonna give it a shot. Uh, from J from Jakey, uh, what is the theory behind 
Metzitza Bepef. I'm sure it's some type of Jewish. What's I, I don't understand what the term is. Oh, circumcision. Okay, so that's that's the Jewish word for circumcision. So I guess that's what he's asking. What's the what's the theory behind Jewish circumcision? The theory is that God told them to do it. That's how they have to distinguish themselves as different from all of the other nations. So that's where it comes from. It's a religious command. Okay. Um, from oh, Jakey again. Um, did you did you like or see the movie Mission? It was yes. written by Robert Bolt, who wrote Man for All Seasons. Yes. Good movie, good movie, but there was a problem. And the problem was that they hired um, Dan Berrigan to be their advisor uh, on the, the Jesuits. Dan Berrigan is not an expert on the Jesuits and the Jesuit reductions in Paraguay. And so the end of the movie is, uh, it's Dan Berrigan throwing blood on draft records. Uh, it's basically... A, a confrontation where the, the priest is holding up the monstrance and marching the, the, the faithful Guarani Indians into get mowed down by the, by the muskets of the, uh, of the Freemasons. That's not what happened. Uh, and I, Berrigan just imposed, he had too much influence on that film and from my, in my humble opinion, wrecked what could have been a really good film. A 45-pound plate respecter. Uh, what is the, quote, Israel equivalent for liberal Jews? Um, subversion? World Jewry? What is the word for like, liberal? Like the Israel equivalent for liberal Jews. Like in, in Israel, who are they calling liberals? I think the, the people they call liberal are people who want to come to some type of modus vivendi with the Palestinians. I think that's what they would be called. So, uh, I don't know, Miko Pellet, somebody like that, who wants to create a peace, who's not on board. His father was a general. I tried to talk to him in uh, Mashhad. He wouldn't talk to me. He's still got that kind of, uh, what should I say, disdain of the Goy. Of Goy. And maybe it's just me, because I said we had to break the Jew taboo. I think that set him off. But, I mean, uh, anyway, he wouldn't talk to me. But uh, also one of the, uh, who was the... Uh, prime minister who was assassinated by this Jewish fanatic, Baruch Goldstein. I forget his name now. But anyway, he would be considered a liberal Jew. I think that's what it means in Israel to be a liberal Jew. <coughs> From uh, VW Manu, uh, Dr. Jones, how did the ADL get so much influence over public discourse? Uh, by taking Jew uh, money from criminals uh, and buying off politicians. The, the early, uh, uh, the best example I can give is uh, Mo Dallas. Mo Dallas was part of the Purple Gang, uh, which was, you know, got rich by uh, smuggling booze in during the, the uh, era of Prohibition, the 1920s. And then when that went down, he moved to uh, Newport, Kentucky, right across the river from Cincinnati, and got involved in gambling and prostitution. That was Sin City. And at that point... Uh, Robert Kennedy, a guy named Raderman, ran for governor, uh, and I'm sorry, ran for sheriff in Newport, Kentucky. He was a quarterback at Notre Dame. The Kennedy brothers loved this guy. And so when he became sheriff, he said he's going to shut down, uh, you know, the gambling. Uh, at that point, uh, the Jews invited him to the casino, gave him enough chloral hydrate to kill the entire football team at Notre Dame. He survived. His wife was smart enough. Uh, he, so he knocked him out. 
And then they bust out. They put him in bed with a prostitute by the name of April Flowers. Uh, then they bust the door down, take pictures of him half undressed in a bed with a prostitute to wreck his uh, candidacy. The story blew up in their faces. He was elected. And then Robert Kennedy came down and started, made life miserable for the Jews who were like Mo Dallas. And so they moved to Las Vegas. And this is the beginning of Las Vegas. Now, he was a criminal. <laughs> he was a, a mobster. Uh, but the point is, with Hollywood, only Italians were supposed to be part of the mafia. You know, there was a Jewish mafia, and they were constantly disguised because Jews make the movies. And so that's changed lately. There are movies about Meyer Lansky now, Bugsy Siegel. It's part of, part of America's, you know, uh, legendary history. Uh, but the point I'm trying to make here is that Mo Dallas would give money to the ADL. And in exchange... For money, which is, you know, it's it's money laundering operation. These are criminals. They're getting money from whatever source. The ADL takes their money and then ensures that nobody, will, no Jew will go to jail. That's what they did with Jeffrey Epstein. That was the first deal with Jeffrey Epstein that got him off, got him a sweetheart deal. Uh, with Mo Dalitz, it was even worse. They gave him their Torches of, is it Torches of Freedom Award in 1984. Okay, this is a criminal. I think they've removed it from their, their website. Anyway, this is the type of people the ADL are. They are a criminal conspiracy. They, they, are, they were created to get Jewish criminals like Leo Frank, a child molester and murderer, get them off the hook. It's all the way up to now. Uh, Mr. Bankman Freed, you probably know this, <laughs> got off with a slap on the wrist. Uh, whereas Catholic uh, pro-lifers in Bucks County, the FBI goes after them as terrorists. This is when you have a Jew in charge of the Justice Department, this is what justice will be, okay? No Jew will go to jail, and Catholics will go to jail for being um, uh, 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 exercising their religion. That's the ADL. That's how it got its money, and once you get money like that, they, they mobilize Jewish uh, donors and basically... Uh, they buy off the Congress. Every single congressman has been bought off. Uh, this Cynthia McKinney made this apparent. This was IPAC sends its pledge. Yeah, she had to pledge allegiance to IPAC before she'd even been sworn in as a congressman from Georgia. Uh, this is the type of control that we have to contest. And the ADL there is, is there to make sure if you say something like this, they are going to destroy your life if they have, if they can. It's the Cheka. That's what it was Jewish terrorists who, who terrorized Russia. And now these are Jewish terrorists who use American methods to basically make sure that uh, you stay in line. That's, and they do it largely through money. And they get money from Jewish usurers and Jewish gambling moguls like uh, Sheldon Adelson. All right, to uh, 11 minutes pass, so like one more? One more. All right, I, there was someone in chat who, uh, like, I guess, uh, I missed the question, and he really wanted me to ask it, and I can't find it in the scroll, but I'll try to ask it. Uh, he was, I think he was wondering about, uh, did you see the movie uh, uh, Sound of Freedom? What did you think about it, and is there a free Masonic connection? Didn't see it. Can't comment on something I didn't see. All right. Well, there we are. Uh, thanks again for another episode of EMJ Live. Uh, make sure to subscribe to our Telegram, Rumble, Odyssey, all that stuff. Um, Definitely you guys on Cozy. If you're not subscribed, subscribe on Cozy. 
magazine, culturewars.com, books, fidelitypress.org. And people were asking about the uh, Holocaust book. The any, Holocaust narrative is being printed as we speak. It will be available in August. There we are. Well, uh, I will, if you stay on this channel or uh, follow us on Twitter or any of our platforms, you will know the exact date when it's available. We, we don't want to take uh, advance orders because it's just too complicated to fulfill. Uh, and so we're just waiting. To, just be patient. I have to be patient too, but it will be out. I would say it's going to be out in August. And uh, any any final words to the ADL? Yeah, you fucked with the wrong nigger. <laughs>